Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. Over 73% of U.S. residents polled believe in climate change. The climate is changing. We know it, our kids know it, and it is something both Republicans and Democrats can agree on. So why is it not being taught in our schools? My next guest, New York State Senator Andrew Gennardes, is out to change that for New York. His proposed bill, S-1081, would mandate a comprehensive climate change curriculum in all public schools from K-8. through Today, he joins us to talk about what inspired him to create this piece of legislation and how we can help him to get this passed. Welcome, Senator. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Christine. Great to be here. And first, congrats on your reelection. Thank you. Good to be back. Yes, it's wonderful. We're so proud and, and so grateful to have you back. Before we jump into climate talk, I'd love if you could tell us how you came into public service, and a little bit about your work in the New York State Senate and your district. Sure, sure. So it's funny, growing up, if you had met me when I was a a teenager and you asked me what I wanted to do with my life, I would have told you I wanted to be a priest. And, you know, I grew up in a religious household and, you know, in a faith-based household. I went to my Greek church every week. You know, I was an altar boy, Sunday school, you name it. But I was always interested in government and history, you know, student government especially, and just reading books about history. And it was a trip that I took to Washington, D.C. God, it must have been either my senior year of high school or freshman year of college, where I got to spend quite a bit of time with a bunch of uh, notable Greek Americans in politics and government. Some of them were elected officials. Some of them were appointed officials. Some of them were high-ranking staff members. And I spent what seemed like an eternity, but it was probably more like 20 minutes with uh, Senator Paul Sarbanes from Maryland, who, uh, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley and had a storied career, who actually just passed away this last December. And he told us his whole life story and he made this compelling case as to why he thought he could do the most good for people being in government. And, you know, maybe that was just the spark that needed to ignite what was already inside of me. But when I came home from that trip, I knew that public service was where I wanted to spend my life. Wasn't sure if it would be elected service, but certainly public service. And, you know, I came back, I studied political science, worked in government at the city council level. I worked for the state assembly for a little bit. I went down to Washington, D.C., worked on Capitol Hill. So I always kind of pursued this pathway uh, until I was able to graduate from law school and then ultimately get elected to the state senate in, uh, in 2018. I represent a large chunk of the neighborhoods that make up Southern Brooklyn, you know, from Bay Ridge to Marine Park, almost all of Southern Brooklyn. It's about 330,000 people. And it is a very diverse neighborhood. It's diverse ethnically, racially, economically, politically. You know, it's a classic, perfect purple swing district, if you will. 
And so it presents a lot of challenges, but also a lot of good opportunities to talk to people and engage with people and figure out what we can do to make people's lives better outside of the constant rigid ideological battles that we often see or hear about in the news. So, you know, that's kind of how I got here. And I view my public service through the lens of this word that we have in Greek called philoxenia. And literally it translates to love of strangers. This idea that we as human beings have an obligation to our fellow human beings, regardless of who they are, where they come from, when they come here, who they love, what God they pray to, what the color of their skin is. And that is something that has always stayed with me growing up. And it's something that I think is really, you know, certainly motivates and inspires my life. And it's how I view the work that I do now in government is to kind of exude or embody that idea of philoxenia to, to help those in need, to kind of lend that helping hand and to make sure that we can do whatever we can to help people. I love that. How do you pronounce that word again? Philoxenia? Philoxenia, yeah. Philoxenia. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Great word. So I love everything that you've said, and, and I can tell that it comes from your heart. And I have to ask you, so how is that being received in Albany? <laughs> you know, it's one thing to come to that, with that, walk into politics with that, with these great intentions, but are you able to do the work? Yeah, no, I think I am. And, you know, I'm just giving my work a, you know, a name that's based on how I understand it, but I think it really is you know, very similar to the animating principle that I, I think many people are first drawn to or still drawn to politics or government by, which is to help other people. Like we want to make the world better for folks. We don't live in the utopia. We know that there are challenges. We know that there are, are bad things that happen. We know that kids wake up hungry or go to sleep hungry at night. We know that there's inequities. And it's our mission to try to fix that. And, and maybe some days we can fix that for a lot of people. And maybe some days we can fix it for a handful of people. But as long as we keep trying that, I think we're all doing the best we can. So I think that it you can come to it with the right attitude and the right spirit and actually do a lot of good for people. And not everything in government has to be a big fancy bill. Not everything has to be the million dollar golden ticket legislative idea. For example, the last, the last year with this pandemic, starting from last April, my office on a weekly or for a while, even a daily basis, we turned our office into a, a food distribution center. We were giving out 2,500 to 3,000 meals a week for people, a couple of four times a week. Right now, we're partnering with a group to give out 50,000 pounds of food on a weekly basis. Like That helps people too. That's not legislative. That's not me pouring over the law books and figuring out you know, what's the right clause to insert to this bill? It's about service to others. And that more than anything else is what I think counts. I love that. And I love that you just mentioned that it's not about the big bill. It's about all the little bills that you're putting together and getting those passed and directly being of service. I think so many, not you, but there's many other politicians who get caught in the limelight and wanting to, you know, have that <laughs> spotlight on them instead of just doing the work. It's often, it's not glamorous. It's just getting out there and doing it. And that's why you're being the change. So I know that you're a lover of nature and you even climbed Kilimanjaro four years ago, which is yeah. impressive, right? Wow. Right. And so I imagine that experience kind of reinforced the need to keep and preserve nature, to be a guardian. Is Did that happen? Yeah. I you know I've, um, I grew up in the city, so, you know, I kind of had the urban jungle, if you will, right? But I always loved nature. I try to get outdoors as much as possible. I grew up through the scouting program. 
uh, and really look forward to my opportunities to get out of New York City and go on camping trips and learn about nature and about the you know, kind of first principles, uh, ecology, environmental protection, things like that. And so I've just always had that as part of me and how I grew up. And it's always just kind of you know nice to be able to know that you can escape your surroundings and reconnect with, with nature. And you know, now that I'm in a position of responsibility, I think it's really important that I use what I've learned and know how important it is to me to make sure that we keep providing that opportunity for others. And that, that first and foremost requires us to keep nature, nature and, and protect the environment and do what we can there in any way possible. So as you mentioned, we're born and raised in Brooklyn. So you saw the effects of climate change firsthand with Hurricane Sandy. Oh, um, yeah. I imagine that affected your district quite a bit. Yeah. So was this the precipice for you uh, seeing the toll of our changing climate and the need for an education bill? What brought on the bill? So, you know, you're right. The district that I represent, about half of it got wiped out from Sandy. We're still dealing with the aftermath of that today. You know, we still have people who are waiting to get into their homes. This is not a one and done thing. This isn't like just a one storm phenomenon. I can't say that it was the single largest influence in thinking about this legislation, but it certainly was a part of it. You know, recognizing how climate change is not just uh, one thing. It's not just rising temperatures. It's not just hotter than average year. It's not just a little bit more rain. It's how all of those factors come together and really change our environment. You can talk about how year over year, the you know, our temperatures, I think now we're, what, we're eight out of the most, of the last 10 years have been the hottest on record, or maybe it's nine out of 10 now, how that affects, you know, the fact that we are going through, if you read Elizabeth Colbert's book, you know, the sixth extinction, like the next wave of mass extinctions and how the rise in temperature links to mass extinction, which leads to a change in the earth's environment and how it affects the vegetation patterns and how it changes animal migration patterns and how that, to bring it back to our childhood, it's the circle of life, right? Yeah. It really is the Lion King, you know, all over again. And recognizing that you have to think about this holistically and comprehensively and that we don't really do a good job of that at an early age really was, I think, the reason why I put this legislation together. Okay. So do you have children? I actually, I do. A two-month-old baby. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. We just had our firstborn baby boy. His name is Evan Simeon. And uh, he, he actually turned two months old. Uh, let's see, today is the 9th of March. So on the 6th of March, uh, he was born January 6th. So we're over the moon with him. And I want him to be able to inherit a planet that is green and lush and welcoming and, you know, and, and all those things. And so certainly that's, that is now on my mind. Now, even more so, I know that yeah. you wrote this bill, that you drafted it before your son's birth. But it does make a difference. I am the mother of a soon-to-be 14-year-old. It travels. It goes quickly. And I've donated my time to his school to create a climate club because there is no education. Fortunately, his teachers are very good on it, but there's, there's no real curriculum. And I love how you saw how important this is because I think it all does stem from education, what we're taught. And we can be taught stuff at home, but mostly, you know, children are getting this from their schools. So what does the bill, I mean, the bill looks to be quite comprehensive. You know, it's not just the basics, as you mentioned, but it was, it's land management, it's air quality, it's the effects on health. You really covered it all in the bill, which I'd love. And you obviously know what you're talking about. It wasn't like something you just threw out there. 
you know, and said, Hey, you know, this is on trend. Let me do this. Not at all. I mean, I, I could see you put thought into it. So tell me, where does the bill stand now? It's in committee. What can we do with this? Right. You know, I'd love to take all the credit for it myself, but you know, this is where you have to pay tribute and respect to uh, good staff members. And I, you know, I have the idea and talking with people and being inspired by people, but really is my staff that kind of helps take the word jumble in my head and make it something that is, you know, that we could be proud of and really try to work on. So, you know, right now the bill is in the education committee as all bills that kind of affect statewide curriculum. Uh, we have a number of co-sponsors, which is really exciting. We have to keep pushing it though. We are trying to get the bill onto a committee agenda. And the easiest way to do that is to build more support, to get more senators, in my case, to sign on as co-sponsors of the legislation. That is really, really important. You know, if we can get to a critical mass of sponsors, then it makes it a lot easier to push. You know, oftentimes there's hesitancy, not just on this bill, but generally speaking, to legislate specific curriculum mandates, because then it's like, okay, now you're going to legislate this thing and this standard and this standard. And, you know, oftentimes we try to let those decisions be made by the education department. But I think something as important as this and something as holistic as this, this is not just like, a standard in a regular earth sciences class. This is about thinking about how we infuse this notion into all of the different facets of our curriculum at all different age levels really is something different that is set apart and you know can be legislated in a way that doesn't bind the hands of the education department and doesn't mandate specific coursework or specific textbooks or specific testing regimes, but it really is about the type of value system we want to put in place. And so I would love to have more support in my chamber. And I think your listeners can really help by calling up your state senators. Just Google who represents me. You know, if you don't know who your state senator is, put your address in, it'll pop up. And then you just call their office and say, hey, I want you to co-sponsor this bill. This is really important to me. This is really important to my kids, to our future. Wonderful. And what about the teachers union? Do you have support of the teachers union? Would that help? So that you know, we will take support from everywhere. You know, these are not bills that they typically always weigh in on because their job is to teach the curriculum, you know, whatever the standards are. Yeah. Uh, but certainly I've had a number of really great conversations with educators, both at an individual level, as well as kind of at a larger scale. And there is, I think there's just broad support for this notion that we should be teaching the importance of climate change in a holistic and comprehensive way at all levels. And so I don't think people would disagree with that notion. I wonder if there's not something we can do or some sort of circle this around in, in New York State schools and maybe get the kids to create a video and send it into the senators or send it to the governor and mention your bill. Wouldn't that be great? I would love it. Hey, I would love that. That would be fantastic. Okay. Well, I, that just came to mind. So let me yeah. see what I can do with that. Is this the first of its kind in the United States? Would New York State be the only one? I think New Jersey passed one. Is that correct? You know what? When we wrote the bill, I think we were going to be the first. I'm not familiar with New Jersey's proposal. It's possible that they beat us to it. They, typically, they do on these things sometimes. They also have a smaller state and a smaller legislature. Sometimes it's easier to get consensus. But certainly at the time that we wrote it, this would have been the most far-reaching and most ambitious education plan as it relates to climate change in the country. So still very proud of that. I'm not familiar with any other jurisdictions that have taken the same approach or taken yeah. the same holistic nature as we have. Okay. So help everyone, because not everyone understands the legislative process. Once it is in the education committee and say we all, you know, we get our videos and we send it in and we send it to our senators or even, you know, 
send it to Cuomo or that's questionable now, but you know, we get it out there, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we do that. Then where does it go, Senator? Where's it go from there? So then we have to pass it both in the Senate as well as in the Assembly. And, you know, once it gets passed both chambers, it then goes to the governor's desk for signature uh, and for his ultimate approval. He has 10 days from when the bill is sent to him to either sign it or veto it. But, uh, you know, we have to really make sure that we are building support for it in both chambers first before we are able to get it to the governor's desk. Okay. And is there a same as bill for the assembly right now? There is. So right now, actually, as we're speaking, I'm trying to pull up because we have a new bill number. You know, last year's bill number was 7341. Yeah. This year we have a new bill number and I'm just trying to pull it up. So the, the Senate bill this year is S1081. Okay. And the assembly bill is A2325. Okay. And so what we can do is look up that bill. It's very easy. You just, you know, yep. type in NY state bill and you type in the assembly one or the S one and it comes up and then you can see if your assembly member or your senator has signed on to it. I know yeah. I've pushed mine, mine uh, assembly member, uh, Yulene New, I've asked her to sign on to it. So I'm going to go take a look and make sure she has. And if not, I'm going to drop her a text. <laughs> now is Senator Biagi, is she co-sponsoring this with you? Let me see. Uh, You know what? On the new bill that was introduced this year, I can tell you right now, as I'm pulling it up, I have as co-sponsors Senator Adabo, Senator Kruger, Senator Foilman, and Senator Salazar. Okay. So uh, it's only a small number. Hopefully that number will grow. Okay. Uh, It's also the start of the legislative season, and we are kind of preoccupied with the state budget. So it's not always on, you know, first on people's minds, but certainly would encourage every one of your listeners to call their senator and say, get on that bill. It's important. Okay. And then how long do we have? When do you guys stop? So the session ends this year in June, and then uh, we pick up again next January. So if we don't get it through by this June, we can certainly pick it up again next January. We Every legislative session is two years long, so we don't have to reintroduce it. We're just not in active session from July through uh, December. And let me ask you, there's one question. My son's about ready to go into high school and uh, we're now applying for ninth grade. So I'm wondering, why would this only be K through eight? Why did you admit on upper level high school? Well, we thought, you know, for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, really try to get it started early. And we found that at the high school level, given the existing curriculum mandates, there already is a lot of discussion and coverage around a lot of these same principles you know, maybe not as comprehensively or holistically, but there is a lot of coverage and discussion and as part, different parts of the curriculum, you know, that currently exists. And we really wanted to get the younger generation, have them understand how this would shape their entire worldview. And the earlier you can start this process, then you kind of create these great eco-citizens, if you will, who really understand the world and, and their view of the world through this lens. And then that'll stick with them the rest of their life, right? And you won't, it won't be necessary by the time they go to high school and college and beyond because they'll have internalized it so much. And we don't do that enough right now. So that's why we chose to prioritize the younger grades for this bill specifically. That's an excellent point. Are you familiar with the film Microplastic Madness? Have you seen that? I have not, no. Okay, so it's a group of kids that I think that you would love it. It's called um, a Cafeteria Culture. And they produce this film on their own. And I'll send you the link when we're done. Yeah, I'm going to also bring it out for everyone to listen. 
But it's really a great example of children uh, seeing the importance of this. The kids, they saw it in their neighborhood. They saw it in their waters. I believe the school's in Brooklyn. I don't think it's South mm-hmm. Brooklyn. And, you know, they saw the pollution and wanted to get it started. And then in turn, what they did was affect their family members and their neighborhood. And they stood out and they said, stop, you know, leaving the trash out. And this is what happens. And it really does, Senator. I've spent a, um, some time thinking about it myself. And I think it does come down to education and educating our kids. Everything that we're discussing, not just climate, but social injustices, everything you know, start in school. So I know you have to go and I know, I know you have many things to do and I'm so grateful for your time. The one question I ask everyone on the show, the last question is, you know, you mentioned before the Greek word meaning love of strangers and that you're always helping others. But I also know that it can be quite draining. And I know that, I mean, as much as it is helping others, you help yourself. A lot of times, not draining and helping others, but you, uh, let me reframe that, you hit roadblocks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like this bill is really important, but it's like, why can't I get this passed tomorrow? You know, you see the writing on the wall and yet, you know, it's frustrating. So what keeps you going when you wake up in the morning? What keeps you being the change? It's going to sound cliche, but it really is that idea of philoxenia. It's about, you know, I... You have to kind of accept the fact that you are not going to be able to help every single person who crosses your path every single day. And that you're not going to be able to do everything that people ask you to do every single day. Just like you have to accept the fact that you're not able to answer every single email you get every single day, right? And once you accept that fact and that reality, it then becomes just a matter of you do the best you can. And if you can end every day helping at least one person, then that's a pretty good day because not everyone gets to do that. And so, like I said earlier, like some days it's a great day because you know that you helped a lot of people. And some days, you know, it's just a good day because you know you helped just a handful of people. And just as long as every day is a day that you help someone, it just builds on itself. And that kind of is my motivation and kind of what keeps me going. You know, there's there's a quote, it's a Bobby Kennedy quote, it's we who diet have a never ceasing obligation to those who starve. And I think about that quote a lot. And I think that you're not going to be able to end childhood hunger, right? With the snap of a finger. But if you can help a child who's hungry in any way, you did a good thing. And you just kind of, you know, take that out and you kind of just broaden that concept. And then it, it takes you right back to Philoxenia and you, know, you keep with it and you just do the best you can. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Senator Gennardis. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. We've never met in person, but now we have <laughs> virtually. And I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. So thank you, Christine. Uh, I, I, for fun. one, I'm grateful that you're in Albany. Thank you. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, be well and keep being the change. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you. Thank Take care. You. To learn more about Senator Gennardes and his work, you can find him at nysenate.gov. That's nysenate.gov. You can also follow him on Twitter at Senator Gennardes, G-O-U-N-A-R-D-E-S. And you can also find him on Instagram at sen, S-E-N underscore G-O-U-N-A-R-D-E-S. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. 
And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.